This is Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast featuring distinctly qualified global change makers that are dedicated to creating a healthier planet, one where diversity is lived, expressed and celebrated. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. And in today's episode, my guest is Louis Schwarzberg. Welcome, Louis. Great to be here with you. Yeah, I'm excited. Louis Schwarzberg is an award-winning cinematographer, director, producer who spent his notable career providing breathtaking imagery using his time-lapse, his high-speed, his macro, and many different cinematography techniques. Uh, one of my favorite movies that, that you created, Louis, is uh, Fantastic Fungi. Um, and, and there's a whole universe, I think, uh, you know, n not about on mushrooms, but a movie about mushrooms yeah, that... Right that allows us to understand the fungi, the mycelium, and the ecosystem so much better. Well, it was a great uh, story because Beyond Mushrooms, it's all about the mycelial network underground. This beautiful example of a shared economy, not based on greed, where nutrients are shared for ecosystems to flourish. I think it's nature's operating instructions and should be the way we all should live our lives. Yeah, boom, right on. It's nature's operating system, right? It's organic intelligence. And it's really, I think as humans, we have this, this, um, this way to overcomplicate when we act from separation. And so coming back to that reality where we realize, hey, wait a second, organic intelligence is what's, what's running this whole universe. It's kind of obvious. <laughs> There's a trillion cells in your body that are working in harmony and um who's who's behind all that therefore i think you have to kind of open up your your mind to the fact that there is some greater intelligence um perhaps a natural energy that is what we call life and nothing can be more important than having life be sustainable yeah i mean th this is kind of you know the the big paradigm clash that 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 this lifetime has started with for so many of us uh right is is the paradigm between a living universe and the like newtonian um version of reality that's like everything is a machine and we're just cogs yeah. in a machine that and so as you said it's pretty obvious but you you've also looked really closely and you've looked in a lot of different ways that most humans can't actually pay attention unless we have the art of cinematography well, yeah, because one of the things I've, I pioneered was time-lapse cinematography over 40 years ago. There were no cameras that could do it. I had to actually, you know, modify, you know, uh, battery-powered motors to take these old, big, clunky cameras outdoors, also because the old cameras were cameras I could afford. I mean, a movie camera back then was still about $150,000. You know, film was $100 a minute. So shooting time-lapse was one way for me to film high resolution, but at the same time, uh, feed a sense of wonder. Because what I could do is I could show people the fact that the human point of view is only one point of view, you know, a uh, human-centric point of view of 24 frames per second, this is not how we move. It's so different than a redwood tree, which is so different than a flower, which is different than an ant. And to be able to understand it from their point of view, from their metabolic rate, from their time frame, because you know, we could do a deep dive into what is time, but I can, with my camera, really show you it as opposed to talking about, you know, kind of intellectual topics that are uh, very esoteric, you know, like Einstein, what is time? You can get lost in that conversation pretty easy. I can just show it to you. Here it is, 
you know, plants grow, they move, the flowers open and close, they do a dance of life. And guess what? It's beautiful. And then why is it beautiful? That's another giant question you have to, you know, do a deep dive into that it engages you, even though it's invisible to the human eye, you know? So why are we engaged with this energy called beauty? I'm, I'm always fascinated with that giant mm -hmm. question. And what I've come to learn is that beauty is nature's tool for survival because we protect what we love. Yeah, that's a big one. And when we know what we love because we see the beauty, then we start protecting it, right? So like that's, yeah. that's kind of the, the quintessence around the age of pollution that we're, you know, I, I think we're slowly but surely coming to terms with it and turning it around because we're realizing this pollution will in one way or other destroy our waterways, our soil and our planet. And so the yes. only way forward is to protect what we love. But you have a very unique and very artistic and scientific role there, which, which is why I'm having you on the show and which, which is what I, I love watching your work because you're making a lot of the invisible visible. Humans operate on a certain speed that it takes a lot for most people to stop operating at the speed they operate on, to slow down, right? right? To, to, to change and then to look at it from another, not just person's eyes, but perspective of life. So, so yeah, maybe, um, maybe just elaborate a little bit more on, on, on making the invisible visible, because that's been yeah. the whole, the whole body of work behind these, these decades of slow motion. And also I think high speed uh, does the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets you out of your narrow point of view of uh, time, you know? And so what I'm trying to do with making the invisible visible, I think I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to, you know, I suppose the, the science part of the brain, which is trying to examine, you know, how things work, you know, and when you slow things down or speed things up, it's a great opportunity for academic research and learning. But at the same time, the art, the artist will ask, well, why does it work? You know, what, what, what is the intention behind it? Well, what, what's, what's the energy behind all this stuff? And when you can combine the two, then I think it, it brings you into the moment. It makes you present. And when you become present, you become more grateful. And when you become more grateful, you really become one with your environment. I think we call it love, you know, love of everything, love of oneness, love of that bead, love of that flower, love, love what I what I'm watching, loving the fact that it's gonna create, you know, food for me to eat when that flowers, fertilized, fruits, nuts, berries, vegetables, all the healthy food we need to eat comes from this observation of a bee landing on a flower. And the bee is taking pollen, the science of it, the bee is taking pollen to bring back to the hive. The flower is getting a messenger to move its DNA around from one flower to another so that it can mate. But then I always ask the question, if that's the symbiotic relationship, they're doing it unknowingly. It's not like it's a deal, like I do this for you and you do this for me. They're actually, I think the bee is just focused on getting pollen back to the hive to feed its kids. And, <laughs> um, and somehow in that process, the flowers have seduced the bee to do that. And how did it do that? It didn't write a contract. It did it by beauty, by color, by taste, by aroma, by uh, composition, by movement, all these things 
are messages that make the world go round. And that's what I try to film. Yeah, this is this is so deeply resonating in my being because it is, as you say, what literally makes the world go round. There was not ever a human, a president, a country, or anyone who made the world, uh, you know, fl float around a sun and, and the sun around a black hole. That's the force right. of nature. And then on our planet, right, this this is taking over literally everywhere. And so you mentioned it actually right at the beginning. This is the much smarter mm -hmm. way to do banking, right? Is to to operate based on the principles of nature. You follow the the pathway of organic intelligence, you call it beauty, um, r rightfully so, and to exchange based on that trust that that's how life works out. Now, my question for you here is, what does it require for you, Louis, to experience trust? You've made it visible in the plant world and in the world of, you know, of, of um, a lot of life that is microscopic to us otherwise. Yeah. What does it take for you to experience this kind of trust? Well, I mean, can you define what, what do you mean by trust? That's that's a great question. Back, I mean, trust is trust is a, a few different things, right? So, I guess it's one of the more complex um, words we make meaning to. And so, my definition would be the process of being in sync with life, the process of actually surrendering to life as it happens, not to you, but actually uh, through you as an agent of life. Okay. Well, to, to be in, in the flow and to be in harmony is, as I said earlier, nature's operating instructions because there's really no other way of operating that I can see. I mean, if I'm going to go river rafting and I'm going to jump in that boat, I'm not going to, you know, go upstream. I want to go downstream, right? And if I go upstream, I'm just setting myself up for a bummer, you know? It's going to be, you know, hard. All, um, you know, anxiety, stress. I want to go back to where I started. All that kind of, as opposed to just going with the flow. Even if I was worried about a couple of class three rapids that might be around the corner, I'm still going to feel like let's just do it. You know, it's going to be an adventure. I might fall out of the raft. You know, but so what? Probably won't. So I mean, that's just. I think it's a process of letting go. The other thing I. What's taught me a lot about trust is when I do my time-lapse cinematography, which I've been doing nonstop for four decades in my studio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm setting up a shot on the flower bud, you know? And then I trust that it's gonna open and frame, that it's gonna be in focus, that it's gonna look good, you know? I have to lean into that. And that requires perhaps a lot of positive intention and does that intention influence the flower? Perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm here to make you look gorgeous. That's my job. And you're, you're only going to be here for about a week or two. And uh, this is your, like, you know, your, your biological clock is ticking. You need to get fertilized or you need to get laid either way you want to, you know, state that. And, um, um, and I'm here to make you look good. So maybe the flower is leaning into the camera to be able to be as glorious as it can possibly be, strut her stuff, show that she's gorgeous and that, you know, she's ready to be fertilized. And I think that's, that's awesome. You know, like, like reproduction isn't really about sex. Reproduction is about DNA moving forward, you know, so that life can continue, life can evolve. You know, we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors. I mean, nature invented reproduction as a genius invention, when you think about it, 
because guess what? Everything in the world wears out. Nothing lasts forever. There's entropy, a mountain's gonna wear it out. The sun will eventually die, right? So imagine coming up with a device that can overcome all of that and potentially live on it in perpetuity. Yeah, that's the process of trust on a much deeper level, right? Is that like you call it the DNA leaning forward, the, the process of life perpetuating itself. You know, the reason why I ask this question is, and you make it sound really simple and you make it sound really easy, but I'm asking this question because I know that this is something that shows up for every human being in their life, especially in this, you know, world we, we live in and this, this paradigm that we, you know, in my eyes, at some point we have to say no to it and move forward and create a paradigm of beauty. And so trust probably also comes through doing this for 40 years and setting up that shot every day for 40 years and just knowing this is, this is what I'm here to do. So maybe we can make that link. I'm not sure you tell me if that's a link that you see as well, but for me, the, the, the raison d'etre purpose and trust in life connect in a certain way because a purpose is not something you choose based on what sounds great or fancy on a CV. A purpose yeah. is something that you, you just know this is mine to do. Like the, the, like the bee flies to the flower to get pollen for its kids. This is mine to do. How did that process look for you? Because four decades later, it's like, oh, of course, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I think we all have a gift. And part of this life's journey is to figure out what that gift is. And then that becomes your, your, your mission or your purpose. I mean, studies have actually shown that people with purpose live longer, you know? So I think the key is to be in sync with life's energy. That's really the key. And when you're doing that, then, I mean, think about the fact that like right now, you got a trillion cells in your body. Who's orchestrating all that? Who's making all that work? I mean, you have to have trust that you have the right number of blood cells, white blood cells, red blood cells, you know, the right, my right amount of homeostasis that's going through your body right now. And you have to, you know, you, you do trust in that. You don't worry, worry about that, do you? Every morning, you don't wake up, think about what is the you know, pH of my body and this and that. I mean, it's, it's really complex what's happening. And um, so I consider that trust. I think trust and patience are also kind of related too. you know, that you're kind of letting go and saying, look, I, I believe you know, this is what I want to do in my life. I want to serve. I want to create whatever it might be. And it's not going to happen immediately. You just have to have that intention and patience and trust, I think, are linked in that way and that you're just going to like, envision the end result don't stress about all the little tiny steps it's going to take to get there but like realize that if that's your goal and that's your mission um it's going to happen naturally it'll unfold so let's let's loop that back into purpose how, how did that first occur to you that there is that purpose is you know yeah finding well, it is why we're here Look, the story of <laughs> the story of, of nature is the greatest story to be that's to be told and i want to be a mission my mission i suppose is to communicate that story so any way that i can you know make the invisible visible and capture the magic and turn people on turn people on really is the only way because mm -hmm. like for example the messaging of the environmental movement you know for the past 50 years has been a failure 
You know, you, you put the science on the table and you go, here, here's what's going on. Here we have to change our behavior. If not, we're going to have, you know, climate change or whatever. And guess what? It doesn't work. Yeah, so letting scientists play. be the storytellers is, is not, not a good solution. <laughs> no, so you have to appeal to the heart. And like that's what I'm saying earlier. I, I try to turn people on with the idea that beauty is a gateway for you to fall in love with it because in truth, we're hardwired to do that. We're hardwired to love every baby. You know, uh, they're all cute. Every puppy is cute. Every kitten is cute because we're hardwired for life to go forward. DNA wants to go forward. Life is a form of energy. You know, it's unstoppable. Look, even if we destroy ourselves, it's not going to destroy all of life. I mean, the planet might look radically different in a worst case scenario, but I guarantee that life will be on this planet, whether it's the fungi going underground and hanging out for a while and eating the decomposition of all these dead animals <laughs> and et cetera. I mean, that is life. It's been here through all the great extinction events. That's why, you know, it's one of the points in my movie that they, they were here at the beginning. They'll probably be here at the end. It's the largest kingdom on the planet, and we know nothing about it. Most people seem to be a part of it, right? Well, we, yeah, seem I mean, be, we seem to be directly related with them. Well, yeah, we, exactly. It, our DNA is more closely related to fungi than to plants. We actually evolved from fungi. We branched off of fungi, you know, millions of years ago. And um, that's why penicillin is, is very effective in terms of fighting deadly viruses uh, or bacteria that, that come into our body because they're, that's what they do. They got to do the same thing that we do in terms of having a defense against certain, you know, viruses. But um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> the question? The question was all about purpose and trust, right? And so oh, it's natural that we, we trail yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, well, so clearly, I, look, I've, I feel I've been lucky that I found you know, uh, an art form or call it a career, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's way more than just time lapse and micro and macro cinematography. It be it becomes a tool to teach people that you know we're this is heaven on earth, and I can show you that. I can prove it to you. There's something okay. very beautiful in how how simple you make all this sound, Louis, because that can only be true if that's been your walk. Right. When, when, when you walk the walk and you can share it with such a natural confidence, people pay attention because most humans at, at a certain stage of their life are, are in, in this place of trying to figure out what can I do? What's my yeah. purpose? How do I get there? How do I get where even? Right. But how do I, how do I do all these things? And then of course, in retrospect, yeah, time-lapse is part of it and, 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 and fast, like slow motion and, and fast captures, but that's really just the tools of making the, invisible visible and showing telling the story of nature i mean you, you said it in the first yeah. sentence actually that's yeah. that's well, a real purpose there yeah i mean it's just it's it's one portal you know the mushrooms are a portal psychedelics are a portal it's not the you know the end and be all you know it's just a, a tool along that way and, and what comes with that hopefully is you know more compassion more um healthy living better diet more conscious exercise. I mean, all the things that are that are part of, um, you know, wanting to live in sync with nature. 
I mean, it's it, it to me it just seems so natural. Like I I stopped eating <laughs> I stopped eating red meat when I was in college. I was eating a hamburger, and my buddy comes up to me. He was an African American with this big old afro, and he goes, "Louis, what are you doing?" I go, "I'm eating lunch." He goes, "You're eating a corpse." Boom, just like that. I stopped. You know, I didn't have to do any research. I didn't read any books about, and you know, there wasn't much out there about you know, um, plant-based diets. <laughs> the the health food store near UCLA was nothing but a store with a bunch of pills <laughs> on the shelf. No fresh produce. The health food store was just you buy vitamins and all these kind of you know things. So it's amazing that when the light bulb goes off in your brain, it's just it's triggering a truth a universal truth that you know, you know, and when you, when you find your path, you're never going to lose your way. Beautiful. question here you, you can say pass if you don't want to answer it uh, so you just you just brought up very tangentially the topic of psychedelics so i'm curious if there's a mindful psychedelic experience that you want to share about or can share about sure i mean i, I think that it's obviously influenced my worldview and it influenced my filmmaking um, i wanted to show people some of the visuals that i've seen and and that includes looking at patterns and rhythms of nature that kind of emulate a you know mesmerizing you know hallucinating um visual but basically it's just energy you know mm -hmm. is what you're looking at i mean even the word hallucination is weird you know it's not really the right word um actually i just read an article in nautilus um it's a science magazine that talked about the fact that looking at light has always been an ancient ritual. Like looking at you know, the glimmer of, of light reflecting off of leaves or bouncing off of water has in the past, we've lost that knowledge, but indigenous practices was a, you know, a ritual. And so that's what I try to do. I try to capture that pattern. Because what is that pattern? The pattern is a fingerprint of the universe. If I'm shooting sparkles on the ocean, which I love to do, Every time I see it, like I'm just like, where's my camera? You know, um, I'm, you know, so from a scientific point of view, it's like, oh, what you're looking at is, you know, the, the currents are creating this pattern and the wind is creating a pattern. What's creating that? Well, you know, it's the gravitation of the moon and, uh, and the gravity of the earth. Actually, it's the gravity of the universe you know, is making the high tide and the low tide and all this motion, all this movement, all these waves, you know, and you get all these like, you know, kind of scientific explanations about it. And yet I'm looking at it and I'm saying, it is truth. Mm -hmm. It is universal truth, you know? And why is it mesmerizing? Because it touches the deepest part of your soul. It is actually a reflection of the cellular activity that's going on inside of your body. You know, the way water moves on the ocean is so different than the way water moves in your body. They can call it thermodynamics or water dynamics. And again, that reductionist you know, way of, yeah. of analyzing it. 
But what it's really saying is, I'm one with it all. And then we go back to the biggest problem of all is that idea of separation from nature. There's us and then there's nature. Well, what I'm trying to do is get people to connect through beauty, which is, let's say, a secret language, to be connected. And you know what? It's easy because guess what? Nobody taught you what's beautiful. There's no class you ever studied in high school or college, yet in general, most people agree as to what is beautiful. So we're hardwired for it. That's my point. We are hardwired for it. So therefore, open yourself up to it. Don't shut down with it. You know, when people, you know, a lot of times at the end of Fantastic Fungi, you know, some you know, people in the audience come up when we had our screenings and there, there, there'd be tears in their eyes. And, and part of me is going, wait a minute, this is not a sad movie. You know, why are you crying? Because it touched their soul. And it was yeah. a place they haven't been in a long time. In a time and where it, people exactly don't hang out there quite a lot because yeah. the seductionist scientificism is so ever-present, right? We, we as a, you know, I grew up in Germany. Uh, I live in Canada now. So there's, and I know these two cultures very well and, and a few other cultures and, and, and everywhere this intellectual, I call it intellectual masturbation, it seems to be a thing, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty pointless. And here I am recording a podcast, but it's, it's, it's yeah. actually about that. It's about understanding deeper those people like yourself, Louis, who, who simply embody the call of, of beauty, that this call of truth that you mentioned with the sparkles of sunlight on the ocean and, and walk that into the loud and seen space. Mm -hmm. Well, we're actually, um, you know, we have a clinical trial going on in Santa Monica at the Pacific Neuroscience Institute, where I'm showing my rhythms and patterns of nature as people are coming on to psilocybin to treat alcohol addiction. So we're beginning, I think, to really crack this a little bit. You know, now again, it's going to happen inside the, you know, the walls of a medical institution, but at least I'm bringing, you know, the, the power of nature inside, especially the, for people that are suffering, you know, and I believe, and I know it's true that so I've gotten hundreds of comments on my moving art series on Netflix, everything from parents saying they had a major breakthrough with children with autism, to teenagers that are suicidal, to people that are stressed out, to people that are having an operation, cancer, um, palliative, you know, end of life anxiety. They're all, they all claim that, oh my God, your programs are a, are a healing modality or it saved my life. And I've never made the claim that it was. And we have no narration. It's just music and imagery. And here they're, you know, making all these statements that it's a healing modality. So when you when you kind of take a pause for a moment, you go, look, we got healing modalities for every sensory receptor except vision. We have massage for touch. We have aromatherapy for smell. We have, um, you know, music, you know, for for hearing. You know, healthy food for taste. And I say, what is there for vision? When 80% of the data you get comes into your eyes, mm. it's by far the most important sensory receptor. And now with all the screen time that people are doing, it's even more important. It's a big and yet, load of information. And why, and why can't we have medicine you know, for our eyes? The eyes are an extension of the brain. I mean, electrical energy goes right into the retina, direct connection to the brain. The eyes really are an extension of the brain, really not separate. 
Yeah, that's very powerful. Thanks for the shout out to the clinical trial there. I believe yeah. that's a very important part of the cultural renaissance, right? The the regenerative renaissance that you know is is starting to build a wave. I, I think we're not quite at the, the crescent of it yet or the, the apex of it, but it's it's starting to happen, right? Many, many people are realizing regeneration is just a principle of nature. It's it's nothing we we're making up. Like the word sustainability or or all these greenwashing terms. They've been they've been so closer to this intellectual masturbation and regeneration like organic intelligence. These are parts of life. Yeah. You you say it very eloquently. I'm I'm curious here, Louis, because we we talk about beauty and awe and and capturing the invisible to make that visible. What about moments of discomfort or or things that are uncomfortable, things that are actually annoying that that show up in the process of of creating art, right? How how do you deal with those, and and what's your what's your way through back to patience and presence? Well, I think there's always going to be hurdles and obstacles, but maybe it just makes you stronger. You know, look, my parents were Holocaust survivors, so you know, whatever they went through is mild. I mean, whatever I'm going through is mild compared to whatever they went through, mm -hmm. clearly. And so that gives me a lot of courage to bulldog my way through it. You know. Um, but also, I believe that um, it builds resilience. I mean, it, we talk about symbiosis, we talk about all these, you know, magical connections. But no, I mean, nature is um, at times, you know, uh, brutal, you know, and, and hard. And um, the, you know, I think resilience is an evolutionary trait. And, right. uh, and, and people actually, who practice gratitude turn out to be more resilient. And you have to ask that question, why is that? Well, because when a bummer happens, you don't take on that victim role and you don't go into like, you know, a funk for a couple of days, you bounce back. And the same thing happens in nature. You know, if an animal, you know, twists its ankle, I mean, you're running up a hill or something, it's not gonna lay there and cry. It's gonna, you know, keep going. Um, and eventually he'll, it'll, it'll bounce back faster. I mean, athletes do the same thing. When you get an injury, you just got to work it out. You know, you can't baby it. So I'm trying to, I guess, give examples of how you just got to like, you know, push your way through it. I mean, nobody ever said that this life journey is going to be easy. And I think that um, it builds character to have, you know, rejection and to have obstacles. And, you know, it's actually, you can employ a lot of creativity to figure out a way around it. A lot of times I've been blocked. I mean, Fantastic Fungi really wasn't accepted by any of the major film festivals. No distributor really thought it was going to ever have a chance in, in the theaters. And we proved them wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I got the mushrooms behind me. All I got to yeah. do is activate the mycelial network. You know, the first screening we went to uh, was like a fundraiser up in Oregon for the, uh, you know, to uh, decriminalize, you know, psychedelics in Oregon. And it was a fundraiser on a Sunday afternoon. I agreed to go up there, you know, and show the movie and didn't expect much. I, I show up at the theater. It says, you know, Fantastic Fungi in the marquee in big, bold letters sold out. No marketing, no advertising. On the Sunday afternoon, we sell out a thousand seat theater because they posted it on their Facebook page. Mm -hmm. I'm going WTF, right? Right. Like know your audience, fuck? right? Understand well, where it's like, they, they, they love mushrooms. Hang out. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's something happening here. There is a movement. And I'm proud to say that maybe we helped catalyze the movement. We didn't create the movement, but there is a movement. And it's great that we're a part of it. So last two months, we've been mentioned three times in Vogue for inspiring fashion, oh, wow. you know? Like, <laughs> again, like that's not something Who I would, would have known I mean, that you get the fungi inspire fashion, but you know, mean, it ultimately fashion. makes sense, right? Coming back to the, the core of our conversation here, making the invisible visible and the art of nature visible. Like, of course, the art of nature, when you, for the first time ever see these uh, sped up moments where you see the mushroom kind of burst and then grow its like coat or, or a skirt or whatever, you know, some of them have, that's mind boggling. Like that is a trip in itself. You don't have totally. to, you know, you can just watch and be like, yeah, right. That is, that is how I come back in the next morning and that flower or that plant or that fungi is suddenly grown. But we, because we can't see it, our mind just kind of mm -hmm. breezes over it. Right. Yeah. Do you know, even, even normal vision is a, <laughs> it's a miracle there, you know, this, the visible light spectrum that we're able to see, you know, from like, you know, ultra, you know, blue all the way to red, and that's it. But beyond red, it's, it's like, you know, um, is is uh, heat waves, I'm sorry, and beyond blue is ultraviolet, and then there's like microwave, there's x-ray. So basically, we see like only one octave on an eight octave keyboard. There's all this light energy we don't see. Just vision itself, normal vision is a mind blower when you think about it. So we're surrounded by this energy, this sea of energy constantly, regardless of slowing it down <laughs> or speeding it up. So it's, it's, I think it's like, we just have to kind of wake up and, and, and be filled with wonder and amazement and recognize that what, what we don't know and what we don't know is the fact that it's a gorgeous mystery. Maybe what we don't know is this is heaven on earth. You know, hello. You know, why are we drilling that. holes in the ground? Maybe we're poking holes through the cloud. Like, wake up. Like, didn't you realize you're in heaven? What if you went to heaven and then you started becoming an oil driller, you know, and started polluting <laughs> and people going, wait, you're in heaven, dude. It's like, you don't do that here. And then, no, no, no. This is the way, you know, this is the way life goes. And this is the way it's always been. I mean, you're like, <laughs> and maybe it hasn't always been like that. That's the the next surprise for many people, right? Is exactly is it has. You're, always you're been very. It's very yeah. beautiful how you get to these. I, I can feel like that's that's just naturally so for you, and and uh, I know many people listening will really appreciate that because this is also a bit of the attitude we need, right, on the path forward is to be like wait a second, like this never made sense. These old excuses that it has always been this way. Let's just throw them out the window and let's yeah. remember who we truly are. We, we're, we're a miracle that we're alive in the first place. And we're all of this energy embodied in this human form and we get to play here. I mean, yeah. you know, and you said there's a movement and maybe you helped catalyze it. Like for sure there was a, a catalyzing effect through Fantastic Fungi. And I think the movement really is multiple parallel movements, realizing that they're not separate from each other, realizing that as a unifying movement, the people that meditate, the people that love planting food, the people that love permaculture, the people that, that get that pollution isn't the right way, but that aren't against it, that look for new ways, right? right. Smart entrepreneurs who, who, want, who want to build a world that is heaven, um, people that want to legalize and decriminalize psychedelics. Like we're all in the same movement because we're in the movement of, of making this earth worth living on. Yeah. 
And it's about time. I mean, look, we all felt that since I'm older, you know, like back in the 70s, we, we created Earth Day, you know? And again, like I said, why haven't we changed our behavior? But everything we said is true. You know, like the whole idea of, you know, you know organic farming, permaculture, you know, uh, get off of fossil fuels. I mean, this all goes back even before Earth Day in 1970, right? And then Richard Nixon declares the war on drugs. Hello, here we have a criminal who had to leave office for like, you know, for for cheating and lying. And, you know, um, and he creates this, you know, he makes mushrooms and LSD illegal. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was never illegal before. Yeah, it was yeah. the cutting edge of science. It was the cutting yeah. edge of all the research at Stanford and at, you know, uh, and at Yale and Harvard, you know, all these like academia. It was like, this was, oh my God, this is amazing. And so we're still living from the residue of that. The whole idea of mass incarceration of people of color because one idiot called Richard Nixon who wanted to get back at his political enemies, you know, the, the, the anti-war movement, the quote unquote hippies, what are the hippies? They're just people that are saying, you know, we want a better world. Yeah. You know, we don't believe this bullshit. We're not going to go, you know, to Asia and kill people and, you know, and or come back in a box. I mean, I'm, I'm not signing up for that. Right. I mean, I just want I just hope that younger people don't take the time to go back in history 50 years. You should go back even further than that. You should go back millions of years and really look at things. But even 50 or 60 years ago, this is what was going on. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it, the psychedelic revolution exploded, the whole idea of openness, of, of racial justice, all of this exploded. And, um, and I think it's coming back in full circle. It, it definitely looks like that. I do have two more questions for you, Louis, yeah. and they're both related to these future generations or the younger generations, as you just mentioned them. And so uh, question number one would be, you know, if you could alone or with all the experts that you can call in, change the education system at large, what would you do? Have them go into the laboratory called nature, you know? I mean, get out of the classroom, take a look at what, what's under your feet. Do you realize in a handful of dirt, there's a million microbes, you know? We were talking about earlier, there's every second, there's a billion interactions occurring that is the foundation of life on, on Earth, and we know nothing about it. Even Nobel laureates know nothing about it. I asked the question, where does soil come from? People don't know the answer, you know? It comes from, you know, fungi that break down organic matter, break down rock, you know, it's not dirt. You know, it's a living thing. When we eat plants, we are eating soil. Yeah, that one, I'll, I'll let that one sink in deep. It's so, it's so important that we understand by simply being in nature. My last question for this recording uh, has to do with, you know, the, the, the heart and the vision that you've, you've shared so much about in this interview that, that carries forward. So the, the question allows us to zoom out on the timeline a little bit. You know, you, we, we were kind of dovetailing around defining time earlier, but then we, we, we stepped away from it. So my question is, is anchored in thinking seven generations into the future, knowing that we are ancestors for the future. Uh, Louis, what's your dream? What's your vision? What's in your heart that you are uh, here to pass on for the future generations? I think, you know, again, living in harmony with, with nature and protecting what we love. Given the fact that we're hardwired to do it, I'm not asking you to like recycle, you know, 
do this, do that, drive an electric car. I'm not doing any of that because I think if you love it, you'll make the right choices. Your choices is the most powerful form of energy on the planet, what you choose to do. So if you love something, it'll only be natural that you don't take a bunch of paper and throw it away if you love trees because it'll hurt your heart, you know? And you don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to feel bad. So get in alignment with that. And then you won't even have to think about it. It's all natural. You'll do the right thing. You make the right choices. And every choice you make, every bike you eat, every you know mile you drive has to be a conscious decision for seven generations out. I hope may it be so. Thank you so much, Louis, for your time. Thank you for this interview. Pleasure. May the spores be with you, brother. <laughs> <laughs>